Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Hosea, the book we're in, talks about an awful lot about discipline. And the theme that was given to me was the God of discipline. And uh, three chapters, seven to ten of the book of Hosea. Well, let me put your mind at rest. I'm not going to read all of the chapters. What I am going to do, I'm going to read uh, a verse, one verse, and then uh, from Hosea, and I'm going to read a couple of verses from Hebrews, and we'll take it from there. I think this is the most beautiful verse in the whole of Hosea. It is to me, and I'll tell you a bit later on what the significance of this verse was. It's Hosea 10, 12, and it says, Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground, for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. That coming in the middle of three chapters of God's hefty discipline on his people. Then Hebrews 12, 4, uh, 4 to 6. In your struggle against sin... You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. I think probably daughters are included there. I hope so. So you you had some thoughts about discipline earlier on. You know, when I began to think about this, I began to discover that our lives are totally dominated by discipline. Thought about it? When a baby is born, what's the first thing you have to do? You have to register the birth. You have to go and put your baby in the system. It's amazing, isn't it? And and then after education. Oh, you have to go now. You didn't years ago have to go. There was no compulsion years ago. The compulsion came in... Uh, a little before my time, I remember, I remember a visit from the, what, I don't know what they're called now, but the guy who comes from the local authority to find out why your parents are not sending the children to school. <laughs> he, came, he came to visit us. It was in 1947. We'd had the worst winter for a hundred years. We'd had snow that covered the bedroom windows in, in, in the house. And then the thaw had come and the ground was frozen, so the floods were there. And this man turned up 
and he was sloshing through all the slush in the water and, and knocked on the door and I, I followed dad. And dad was, who are you? And then he explained who he was. And said, why, why are your children not at school? And dad looked at him and he said, what's that you're wearing? And he said, Wellingtons. Well, he said, you go and buy my four children a pair of Wellingtons and I'll send them to school. <laughs> and he sent him packing with that discipline all across. Driving, oh, come on now. Driving tests, passing your tests, then the highway code and then the alterations this year to highway code. And I haven't got my head around those yet. But our, our lives are dominated by discipline. The list could go on and on and on. Well, I want to picture this one of discipline, the motorway. Yeah, we're all familiar with the motorways. Yeah, and think of our life as a motorway and think of us going down this motorway. And you have to keep within these constraints because if you don't keep within these constraints, you're in trouble, you're in serious trouble. There are cameras every so often everywhere and there's somebody looking in a, in, in a room and they've got all these screens in front of them and they can see what's going on on our motorways. Come on. We're, we're being watched every moment to see if we comply, to see if we keep within that sensible set of rules for using this highway. So it isn't so much just, oh, I don't like that, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's a way of maneuvering through life without causing, well, if you cause an accident on the, on the motorway or if you're involved with one, well, you know what it's like. And then they had that, that stretch, didn't they, just down on the, on the motorway here. And they say they're not going to make any more of them where you use the hard shoulder when it's busy. Say not going to do any more because of the accidents that there have been and people killed on the hard shoulder when it's, when it's been in use as a, as a lane, a motorway lane. Discipline all the way through. Our lives are dominated by discipline. And discipline is, is that quality of life of being able to behave and work in such a way that we involve, we observe all the rules and all the standards. If your behavior takes you outside that, then you're in trouble. You're in real trouble. That's what this book of Hosea is all about. It's all about spelling, up, spelling out the consequences of not maneuvering your way through life, following all the instructions that have come from the Lord so that you will enter into such a relationship with him that you will know his love, you'll know his care, you'll know his protection. And these guys... They have uh, not gone on well with that. 
They like, the, they like the gods of the folks in the land into which they go. They like following this way. They like doing that. They don't like this system of sacrifice here and that system of sacrifice there. And this is a bit costly and that isn't so costly. And all the way through, especially Hosea 7 to 10, it is God spelling out the consequences of living outside do you call them rules? Do you call them regulations? What do you call them? Do you call them simply constraints? Living outside that and the consequences of doing that in those days were horrendous. Read the book of Hosea if you want to find out what the consequences really were. They were horrific. And then end came when the whole nation was taken again into servitude and slavery and taken off to another country to live in Assyria when the Assyrians came down. And that is horrendous. But I want to tell you what we're encountering. I want to do it in this way. I want to make sure that my phone is turned off. Um, yeah, it is, it is a phone. I, I, I did use it once, but it's, it's my old one. And then in my other pocket, I've got, I've got another one. That's a, a newer one, a new one. Let's call it a new one. I've got a, I've got a computer at home, a laptop, and this little gadget has got everything that laptop has in here. I can get it, call it up. The old and the new. Now what comes between them? What's between this one and this one? I'm not very technical minded, so I'm my answer to this question mightn't be that accurate, but isn't it something, isn't it something to do with G, two, three, four? Isn't it something to do with networks? Isn't it something to do with the internet? Isn't it something to do with the World Wide Web? This, this has no concept of what this is all about. And standing between the two, is all our internet technology. And I want to use that as a simple example to say that the Old Testament and the New Testament are miles and miles apart. Yeah, we use the Old Testament and, and there's stuff there that we carry through and so on and, and, and it helps us. But it's miles apart from this one. God's discipline, as experienced in the Old Testament, is nothing like what happens in the New. Nothing like. We need to be very, very careful when we're looking at Scripture. We need to be careful but what we're, the angle at which we're coming from. 
between the two telephones I talked about, the World Wide Web, and I talked about the, the networks and all that sort of thing, between the Old and the New Testament stands a cross. It's as simple as that. There stands a cross. The, the Old Testament regulations and rules failed. Now, you might think, oh, saying that, you know, something in the Bible's failed, yes. Yeah, it's tell the whole Old Testament is all about how God is going to love these people who have utterly failed back into relationship with him. And he is going to bear the burden. We sang a little earlier about God the Father. Wow, what a father God we've got. We talked about the son. And the son was there at the beginning. Think John, beginning of John. The word was with God and the word was God. The word was there at the beginning. The Holy Spirit. And you think of the explosion of Pentecost. That within a hundred or so years. The reaches of the gospel all around the known world. Incredible. Between the two, the old and the new, stands the cross. And the weight of uh, the weight of the rebellion, the weight of the indiscipline, the, the weight of all the negativity crushed the breath out of Jesus on that cross, and he died. And who was that that was dying? The Jesus that we just talked about. The Jesus, the Son of God, who was there at creation, involved in everything. I had a, a thought last Christmas. You know, we, we think about the coming of Jesus, and we think about his, his entry here into our world, and we have all our carols and our cards and our crackers and all, all, everything. And I thought, what about heaven what about the night before? Was there a party in heaven the night before when Jesus was sent on his mission to us? What, how was that? Oh, it's, just, it's okay, I've got to create. I like to ask questions. But how did the Father and the Holy Spirit feel as they sent the Son on this amazing mission? And that mission was to bear all the ill-discipline, all the negativity, everything. It was to bear that so that we don't have to. We don't have to. Is that right? Does that mean we're no longer responsible for our actions? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I want to, uh, sorry, fingers are all thumbs. I want to take you on a little journey past the Hosea 7 to 10, past the discipline that God had planned for his people. 
that want to take you through the cross experience and into our experience now. So the consequence of ill discipline was death. The cross is a monument to death. The empty tomb is the monument to life, but the cross signifies the death. The death of all those who had been ill-disciplined in the life of the Roman Empire and did not conform to all their rules and regulations and resulted which resulted in them hanging on the cross. And that's what happened to Jesus. But it wasn't, of course, his ill-discipline that put him there. It was ours. Standing on this side of the cross, we're looking at life, not at death. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. As in Adam... All die. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Before we come to know Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, we go our own way, don't we? We make our own pathway through life, and we make this choice, we make that choice, and so on, and we, from childhood, we grow up in youths, grow up into parents, families, and so on. And we described or talked, chatted a bit about the way discipline happened in, 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 in our families and so on. But what happens, what happens when you say yes to Jesus on the cross as the one who took all the consequence of all little discipline and all the negativity and all the wrong things and all the wicked things and all the evil things and all the wars and all of it that is there. What happens when you say yes to Jesus and move from death to life? We're left very much to our own devices. God's discipline now is the, our crazy results of the lifestyle that we choose. Right from the earliest days, our lives have been dominated by discipline. And now, growing up without Jesus, we can be as disciplined or as ill-disciplined as we like. God deals with us now in a different way. His relentless love is still pursuing us and it can lead to our capitulation and it can lead to a fresh start. You remember the story of Jonah. God told the prophet Jonah, that he wanted him to go to Nineveh and take some good news, that because they 
they had become disciplined and because they'd repented, he was going to save them. Jonah thought about Tarshish. Now, the difference between Nineveh and Tarshish, if you look it up, is, is, is quite good distinction. One is a holiday in the med with all the beautiful, yeah, and the other one is a city with walls and, oh dear, yes. So Jonah set out for Tarshish. And on the way, he got swallowed by a big fish. Not the most pleasant of experiences. A lot of years ago now, God put a call on my life. And the call that he put on my life was to be a pastor. Like Jonah, I wasn't too happy about that. And there was another way for me to go. And for two and a half or three years, I went in a different direction. Thank God there was no big fish for me. But I made some foolish mistakes. I did some stupid things. And God let me do some crazy stuff. Why? But there was a day of a new start. There was a day of surrender. There was the day when Jonah knew that he had to get to Nineveh and get there quick. And there was a day for me when I had to surrender and say, okay, this is it. I, I went to the people in authority and say, okay, now put the wheels in motion for all this and this and this and this. And it happened when I was in the little chapel at Borton on the Water, and it was some kind of special day. I don't remember a thing about the day. I remember the preacher coming up into the pulpit, and he got all these robes on, and he got all these colored hoods on and everything else. And I, I, I remember that he came from the Theological College, Regent's Park College in Oxford. And I'm thinking, what, what's that? What, what, what is going on? And just those thoughts triggered a conversation with God that I buried myself in the pew. You know, you could hide in the pews in those days. He got right down there and I hid from the rest of the congregation. But I can remember doing something. I, I hope nobody saw me on that day do it. But I can remember suddenly putting up both hands and saying, and I said out loud, it must have been crazy for the people there. I said out loud, I surrender God. I don't know what the guy talked about. I don't even remember. I don't remember anything else about that, but just that one moment of surrender. And that's a moment that is given to all of us. And the beautiful thing about God's discipline now is that we can have that moment repeated and repeated and repeated. There's a second question. 
if you could just pop that up if I'm not in the way, says, have you ever thought that you would like to start again? God is a God of new starts, fresh starts. We can start over and over and over. So today, there's an opportunity for a first time saying yes to this Jesus who takes us by the hand and introduces us to his Father. Wow. Who fills us with the Holy Spirit. And a kingdom life is born. There's a chance for that today. If that's a new experience, if that's an experience you want, go for it. And that one. Today, you know, start afresh. You know, you've been worried, been anxious. Okay. Come again. You've been worried. In any sort of difficulty, come again, Lord. And he's right there to help, to embrace, to encourage, to lead you on, to guide you in his way, to take you down that motorway that's not going to have a number and it's not going to lead to another place like the one you've left. It's going to lead into heaven, into his kingdom, and into all eternity, which are the dimensions of our God. He's an eternal God. And no more are his children going to be disciplined to death for what they've done. Now they're going to be welcomed through the cross into life eternal to embrace Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.